0: All right, how many of you had fun in church last week? Did you enjoy the Word? Yeah, I had a lot of fun. Danielle put a picture of me jumping on the chairs uh, on Facebook, and uh, she had like four, three or four different shots of me walking across the aisles, and then underneath it she put a caption. It said, was your Sunday service this exciting? <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. I've been doing a series called Breaking Free from a Double-Minded Soul. James talks about that being double-minded makes us unstable, inconsistent. We've talked a lot about what the soul is. The Bible refers to the heart of man. And the heart is always the place of the, the mind of intellect and the mind of emotions And when the mind of the intellect and the mind of the emotions come into agreement, it activates our will, and that's when we become focused. But too often we're fractured in our soul through wounds and hurts and disappointments, and uh, the soul actually does get broken. Jesus said he took the scroll from the prophet Isaiah, and in Luke chapter 4 he read, Isaiah 61, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach good news to the oppressed, to the poor, to the downtrodden, to heal the brokenhearted, and to set at liberty those that have been bruised. These bruises affect us in our soul and cause us trauma, whether it's a disappointment, whether it's a divorce, whether it's a heartache, whether it's a loss. They come in all shapes and sizes. That serpent, just like God said in the Garden of Eden, he would be nipping at the heels of Adam and Eve's offspring for as long as he could. But that Eve would have an offspring who would crush that serpent's head. And Jesus took that position. As he read that scroll from the prophet of Isaiah, he was saying, here I am. I have come to set the captives free. Now, last week, I specifically was sharing with you um, a technique of what the Bible calls meditation. We think of meditation, and unfortunately, we are very influenced by media, and we, believe it or not, really live in a very secular nation. We like to think we're Christian. But honestly, a lot of the values that we see happening in the world around us are very, very secular. And the ideologies that have crept in, America is uh, in wishful thinking a Christian nation, but we have become very secularized. And I say that uh, especially in the sense of people really don't understand biblical principles. We have many nominal Christians, Christians who are Christian by name or by the belief that just by believing there's a God, they are Christian. But the Bible calls a Christian a person who forsakes everything and is a follower of Jesus Christ. Can I get an agreement? I was sharing last week about the word meditation and that God can stitch our soul, the broken, the fractures, the splinters in our soul. He can stitch them together again. The word Rafa, heal, in the Hebrew, Rafa means to stitch by mending. Jesus came to bind up the brokenhearted. He stitches it together. He mends it. And I was sharing how the word of God was sent to heal us. David says he sent his word. God sent his word. R- uh, and he healed us, Rapha. He stitched us back together. And I shared how meditation, I used Joshua chapter 1 8. Here's Joshua, you know, in the shadows of Moses. Moses has passed on, and now he has to lead some. Three million Hebrew people who have been accustomed to slave mentality for the last 400 years, and now he has to take them into the promised land and uh, gain territory one battle at a time. And God says to Joshua, Don't be afraid, don't be discouraged. And then in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, I shared this with you real quick. Keep this book of the law on your lips and meditate on it day and night. And what we found was the word meditate is different than what secular America has taught us about meditation. Generally, we think of meditation as emptying our mind and coming to a place of just uh, uh, solitude. But the Bible definition, the Bible culture, the spiritual culture of meditation is very different than different philosophies teach. The word to meditate is to murmur in pleasure or in anger, to roar, to growl, to utter, to speak, to muse, to say to oneself in a thoughtful manner. And so God said to Joshua, I'm going to give you success, but if you're going to have success, you need to understand a principle of success. Take my word and all of my promises and everything that I taught that Moses wrote down, and I want you to put my word in your mouth, and I want you to repeat it over and over again. You see, in church, we grew up with the concept of Bible memorization. There's a difference between Bible memorization and meditating on the word. According to this definition and another one that I shared with you last week, to meditate is to not just remember a scripture, but to verbalize it. And sometimes you speak it out in pleasure, sometimes in anger. At times, I use the word of God against my spiritual enemy, and I tell the devil what for and why and where he's going. How many of you ever tell the devil where to go? He's the only person you can tell where to go. But uh, sometimes I use the word of God and I growl, and that's one of the definitions, to roar, to growl, to utter, to speak, to muse. And so we take the word of God and we repeat it to ourselves, sometimes in joy, sometimes in excitement and pleasure, and our emotions are being involved. You see, to meditate involves the mind of the intellect and the mind of emotions. Sometimes my emotions are lagging behind. Anyone? Yeah? And so my mind has to keep speaking to my soul with the word of God until my emotions jump on board. In the areas where I've been wounded in life, I take what the word of God has to say and I speak it over myself. I take a verse and I'll put my name in that verse because God's word is personal to each and every one of us. He is not the God of the masses. He's the God of each person who accepts him as their Lord and Savior. Come on. If you believe that, give the Lord a yay, a high five, a shout, an amen. Absolutely. Tap your neighbor on the back. Make sure they're awake. I'm kidding. But to meditate is to actively engage, repeating the word of God with your emotions. Listen, when you get emotional about something, you just bought in. Often, we just think about things and we say yes, and there's this mental ascent, but it doesn't go any deeper than that. Emotions imprint far deeper than just mental assent. Look, when I have fear, fear stirs up emotions. I can speak logic to my fear. The fear doesn't go away. Emotions imprint much deeper. So when I've been wounded in life, when I've been rejected, when I've been hurt, when I've been traumatized, all through my life, I've used this principle of meditation, biblical Meditation and I take the word of God and I search out scriptures that specifically speak to the area of my doubt, my fear, my wound, my depression. Listen, you don't know the old Rob Scarello. I used to struggle with a lot of depression and I would get very, very depressed. In fact, in my personality type, I would have extreme highs and extreme lows. And then I learned this principle and I started to speak to the wounds in my soul with the Word of God. And it started to heal and bring my emotions together with my mind of reason and logic. And God started to heal section by section, event after event, memory after memory. And it brought great stability to me. I was the prime classic example of a double-minded person. High highs, low lows. And it wasn't a little thing. It was a major part of my life. It defined me. But then I allowed the word of God to define me. Hello? Don't let life define you. Don't let rejection define you. Don't let fear or brokenness define you. The enemy wants to define you by what he can do and what he has done to wound you. But God defines us by what he has done through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Come on, give the Lord a shout if you agree. Don't let the devil or the world define who you are. Eat the word of God. Don't just memorize it. Don't just have it in your electronic notepad. Memorize it, but then speak it to yourself. Speak it to yourself. Speak it with joy. When the occasion is right, speak it like a growl. The enemy comes to take some old territory back. That's when you got to growl. And use the word of God. I I remember when I was a little kid, I had a puppy dog. This puppy dog loved me. I loved it. We had a beautiful relationship. Patches. Patches would be all over me, licking my face and everything, and follow me everywhere we went. And then one day, I brought her a nice, big, fat, juicy bone. And I put the bone in her plate, and she's eating away and gnawing at that bone, and uh. She's gnawing, and all the meat was gone at the top, so I wanted to turn it so she could get the meat on the bottom. (laughs) Suddenly, there was a demon inside the patches. (laughs) Her fangs came out. I never did that again. But that's the point. You learn how to growl to the enemy. He'll think twice about coming back and messing with your meal. Absolutely. And so the word meditate is the word daga, to murmur and pleasure or anger, to roar, to growl, utter, speak, muse, to say to oneself in a thoughtful way. You need to do that with the word of God. We talk about, oh yeah, I read Romans 8. Okay, it's good that you read it, but read it out loud. Put your name in there. There is therefore now no condemnation for Rob Scarallo because he is born again and washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. I will not let condemnation speak to me. You foul devil, you even try to talk to me in my sleep and make me feel guilty for things I haven't done. The Bible says there is no condemnation to Rob Scarallo because he is covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's how I read the Word. It's not just a matter of learning the Scripture and knowing it by heart. It's a matter of putting your name in it. If the Word of God is in you, then your name is in that Word. It was written for you. The blood of Jesus sealed every word for you. And so I put my name in the Word and I start reading that Scripture and I talk about me. That's meditation. That is the biblical definition of meditation. Many Christians don't understand that. They've never been taught that. We have actually been very secularized, and we need to dig deeper into God's Word. Last week, I read another a scripture from Psalm 119, uh, verses, I think it was verse 11, Uh, And David says, I meditate on your word. And it was a different Hebrew word. And the word was siach. Can we have that up on the screen? Siach. And by implication, it too means to converse with oneself aloud, to utter, to declare, to muse, to pray, to talk. You see, I take scriptures and I pray it. I pray scriptures over myself. I say things like, Father, I'm about to face such and such a situation, but I will not be afraid. You haven't given me a spirit of fear. You've given me a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. The old Rob Scarello used to be afraid, but I will not fear because you are my God and every breath I take is in your hands. The beginning of my day is in your hands and the end of my day is in your hands. What shall I fear? I will not fear man and I will not fear demons because I am bought with the blood of Jesus Christ and my Savior is bigger and greater and he will defend me on every t- The Lord is my shepherd. I don't need anything, and I will not be afraid. You see, I pray like that over myself. I take scripture. It's a type of, or it is, biblical meditation. And so this is what God told Joshua to do. This is what David recognized, and David would do. Now, as I was preparing this message, I came up with another scripture also in Psalm 119, and David uses this word siach, the second word, which has pretty much the same meaning, the only thing different is that it includes prayer. Siach, you, you speak out loud, you muse, you utter, you roar, but you also do it in prayer, Okay. And in Psalm 119, verse 148, how many of you know that's a long psalm? I don't know if I could memorize the whole thing, but verse 148, look what David says. I think this is so cool, and it really goes well with meditation. My eyes stay open through the watches of the night that I may meditate on your promises. Now, when you understand this word siyak, What David is saying is I take the promises of God and I speak them out loud. And sometimes I speak it in pleasure and I get emotional and excited. And sometimes I speak the promises of God to my enemy when he's trying to mess with my head or mess with my circumstances. And I growl the word of God at the enemy. Sometimes I roar like I'm a king. I speak the promises of God over Rob Scarallo. And I say, Rob, do you understand today? You are not just born again. You are a co-heir with Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. You see, I use the word in a meditative state. Meditation being the scriptural definition of meditation. And I feed my soul. I encourage my soul. And it starts to heal me and bring me back to a place of wholeness. Are you with me, church? All right. So, there are three things I want you to understand. Number one, every mention of the word meditate or meditation in the Old Testament, and it's mentioned 18 times, is either Daga or Siak. Every reference to the word meditation. Uh, Why would I bother repeating that to you or breaking it down in a different format here? I want you to understand that the biblical, scriptural, cultural concept of meditation is not to sit there on your couch Hmm. No, it's to actively engage the Word of God so that it stirs your emotions. There are so many things that we give mental assent to, but we're never really engaged until our emotions come on board. God understands this. He's the one who wired us. Jordan, he knows the circuitry that he put inside of us. And that's why he says, look, this is what meditation is. Joshua, I understand you could be shaken in your boots. you got to fill Moses' shoes. And Moses had a hard time with these people. Now you have to take them to war. Here's the key to success. Understand me. Trust me, Joshua. Get my word and speak it to yourself fill your mind with it. Repeat the promises that I have made to Moses. Speak them over yourself as if you are Moses because what I wrote to Moses I wrote to all of Israel. Joshua, I am with you. I am for you. And everywhere you put your foot, I will give you victory. So I can imagine here's Joshua getting ready to stand in the gap of Moses who's gone on to be with God and he's about to lead the people in a Battle. I would say that for a week before Joshua would have been saying I can do this because the Lord God he is my strength. He's the one who called us out of Egypt. He's the one who said that you are the descendants of Abraham. And because of Abraham, I will cause you to be a great and mighty made nation. We are not a people of slavery. We are a great and mighty nation. God is with us and he will fight every battle. I'm not just Joshua. I am an heir of heaven. And God is with me, behind me, in me, and in front of me. Hallelujah. Joshua meditated on the word of God. He spoke the word. He spoke excitement into his soul. He spoke belief and faith into his soul. And it made him more than enough to conquer the challenges that were in front of him. So I want you to understand that every mention of the word meditate or meditation, if you were to go through the Strong's Concordance and look up the Hebrew, every one of those mentions are one of these two Hebrew words or an immediate derivative of one of those words. Secondly, we need to understand this is the spiritual context of meditation. This is biblical. This is scriptural. This is what God means by meditation. Look, why am I laboring this? Because there's a huge difference between you knowing the scripture and you owning the scriptures. There is a huge difference. Listen, I, I must have easy 15 different Bibles in my house. From translations to different types of commentaries added to them. My house isn't any safer because I have 15 Bibles in it. My house is safe and my house is blessed and I am protected because the Bible that is in me, the Bible that comes out of my mouth, the Bible that I get excited about. Listen, you think I preach here on Sunday? Uh Uh-uh. I'm preaching in my head, a choir of one, every day of the week. You don't think the devil talks to me in my sleep? Sometimes I wake up and there's this sense of guilt on me and I think, wait a minute, I have nothing to feel guilty about. A, I haven't done anything wrong. I've been walking righteous before the Lord. But secondly, he is my righteousness. How dare the enemy try to put this yuck feeling on me from the beginning of the day. And so I preach to me in my head out loud, meditation it's a powerful principle God knows how we're wired and I am I'm laboring this point because I want to change the way you handle the word of God I want you to take the word of God and preach it to yourself get happy get excited sometimes roar like the king's kid that you are and at other times thump your fist and tell that devil to go back to hell Amen. Absolutely. Eighteen times this word is used in the Old Testament. Thirdly, God's definition of meditation affects the mind of our intellect, M-O-I, and the mind of our emotions, allowing the word to have a deeper imprint on our soul. Look. I told you last week, as I was jumping on the chairs and walking down the aisle, and I'll get to that in a little while, I'll start walking down the aisle in a minute. I told you last week, I'm an Italian New Yorker. I'm loud, I'm brash, I might even come across as arrogant to some, and I realize that you may not be wired like me. I'm not asking you to mimic me. I'm asking you to move yourself enough so that you move from just being blase to being stirred and excited in the Holy Ghost. And if your shout is, yay, that's awesome. Shout the Word of God. Get excited about the Word of God, make it personal. You know, I was saying this last week and Pastor Lynn came up to me. I've been calling everyone Pastor lately. Pastor Lynn. Lynn Woodall came up to me and she showed me she bought a Bible where they literally print your name in verses whenever it's referring to you. And it prints her name. And I love that. I, uh, the year three Bible college class that already graduated... When we first started Bible college, we'd start the first 15 minutes of every lecture like this. We would t- I would give them a scripture and we would spend 15 minutes speaking it over ourselves, putting our name in that scripture and just dressing ourselves with what the word of God has to say. Now, we're going to do this. And so uh, the best way to teach is participation So I want you to stand with me, and if you have an issue of fear, this is what I did. I had issues of fear. I had tremendous problems with inferiority, tremendous problems with fear, and tremendous problems with rejection. I learned later as God delivered me, and yeah, I I actually had to get delivered. There were wounds in me that were so deep, I needed deliverance. But as God was healing me and delivering me and my soul was coming back together, God showed me one time as I was having a vision, when God first showed me that there was a spirit of rejection in my life, I never knew it. And when God showed me in the vision, he said, you've always known you had fear and inferiority, but the spirit behind fear and inferiority is rejection. Perfect love casts out fear. I saw it in a vision. God spoke to me very clearly. And he, he set me free. Twelve months later, I went to a pastor's conference in Australia. That's where I was living. I, had, I was overseeing 12 churches. And halfway through the conference, I realized, oh, my goodness. What I thought was normal wasn't normal. You see, I'd go to conference. I was often one of the guest speakers. And uh, people would come up to me, man, that was awesome. You need to write a book on this. Oh, that was so phenomenal. Thank you so much for sharing that principle. And in my head, I would hear a choir of voices that would tell me, they don't really mean it. They're just saying that. They don't really like you. Nobody likes you. And I thought that was normal. Until I had the vision, some six to 12 months later, I go back to conference And halfway through the conference, wait, that isn't normal. I I know it sounds like I must be a little bit, duh, you know, but it was so much a part of my life, I just thought it was normal until finally I didn't hear it anymore. And for the first time, I was in my early 30s, for the first time in my life, I realized that's not normal. And guess what? I hardly ever hear it. And when I do hear it now, I growl. (laughs) If you know what I mean. Amen. Amen. By the way, the sermon title is pulling down the strongholds and the fractures. I'm going to put up a couple of scriptures that relate to fear. And we're going to practice just like we did last week. I know we did it last week, but this principle is so important. I love your mustache. That is really cool. I like that. I can't, I can't grow it. Mine is too thin. Yeah. Maybe I could take some. When you shave next time, save it and I'll glue it on. That's really cool. Listen, we did some of this last week. But it is so important that we understand this principle because it's not commonly taught. People don't understand this. And I promise you, I guarantee you, I am telling you by the Lord himself, his word will heal you. His word will heal you. If you struggle with anxiety, you struggle with fear, you struggle with depression, listen, the answer isn't in a bottle. I'm not telling you to just instantly throw that away, but as your faith starts to grow and as you start to do this, there is more power in the Word of God than there is in a prescription. Absolutely. And if you are on prescriptions, please, I am not trying to condemn you. That's another devil. Tell him to shut up. If it's helping you right now, that's awesome. I want to give you things that will help you so that you won't even be dependent on that. Everybody with me? There's no condemnation. Amen. Absolutely. So we have some scriptures. Can I have the fear scriptures up there? Isaiah 41 verse 10. So do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed or alarmed or discouraged or shocked or rocked for I am your God. I will strengthen you and I will help you and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Listen, if you struggle with anxiety, you need to understand this scripture because if mentally and emotionally you grab hold of that and that becomes a reality in your emotions, anxiety has no reason to remain because suddenly someone bigger than all of your worries is backing you. Absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, and guys, will we be able to put all three scriptures at the same time? You think we could do that? So, for example, with this scripture, before you do it, while you're thinking about it, this is what I do. Rob Scarallo, (laughs) what do you got to be afraid about? For the Lord your God, the one who created this massive universe said that he is with me don't dismay he is your god personally he knows you he knows every hair on your head rob scarallo Don't be afraid, don't be filled with anxiety because the God who knows how many hairs on your head said that he will strengthen you, he will help you, he will deliver you, he will take you out of the fiery furnace. Man, he will go to bat for you. Rob Scarallo, your God is for you and he loves you and he is bigger and better than anything that hell can dish up. Hallelujah! You see, more people would read the Word of God if they read it like that to themselves. You can't read the Word of God like that and then say, "Oh, it's boring." You kidding? All of a sudden, I'm the main character in every adventure. Good preaching, Pastor Ralph. <laughs> That's how you're supposed to read God's word. Excuse me. We, we, we don't want to hear any cracks this week, right? We had to replace the base of one of the seats. Ryan jumped on it. He's been getting too heavy. Father, forgive me. I just sinned. <laughs> All right. So that's how I would pray that. So I want you right now. Because the best way to learn it's to immediately put it into action. You see, voices will say, you can't say that. That's arrogant. You can't tolerate it. tell it to shut up right now. Tell that voice to shut up. You are putting God's words in your mouth. What a sweet taste of victory that is. So I want you to put your name in that. Don't worry about the person next to you, person in front of you, the person behind you. And I want you to adapt that verse and clothe yourself with it. Are you ready? One, two, three. Rob Scarallo, I will not be afraid. God himself is with me. (laughs) I won't be afraid. I won't be nervous. I have no reason to be anxious because the God of heaven is my strength. The God of heaven is my helper. He actually promised. He said, I will uphold you with my right hand. Dad, I thank you that your right hand is big enough to take all 245 pounds of me. Hallelujah. I thank you, God, that you are my rock, you are my strength, you are my deliverer. I thank you, God, that whenever the enemy comes at me, he's got to get through you before he can get to me. Hallelujah. My My God is with me. My God is for me. My God is my deliverer. What can I ever be afraid of when God is for me? You see, you start praying like that. You're preaching to yourself. That's right. Immediately, that last sentence, I said... I started thinking of another scripture. My mind then went to another one that is stored up inside me. If God is for me, who, 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 you devil? If God is for me, you're going to be against me? That's a joke. My father is bigger and stronger and better, and he loves me as if I was his little lamb. Amen, amen. So can we get all three up there? Can you see them? Uh, Is it too far away? You could see them? Okay, so the next one. God hasn't given me a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. Man, I love this. This scripture, it, it gave me a backbone. This scripture healed me. I'd say it all the time, God, I thank you. You haven't given me a spirit of fear. Uh Uh-uh, I've been born again not of a spirit of fear. I've been born again of your Holy Spirit, and your Holy Spirit isn't a scaredy cat. I thank you, God. You didn't give me a spirit of fear. The devil tries to, but what you gave me is a spirit of power and of love and a sound mind. You have given me ability. You have given me strength. You have given me supernatural power, and I thank you God. I am not double-minded anymore. I have a sound mind, and it is healed and it is focused and it is strong. Thank you,. You know how I learned to preach by doing this. I'm serious. I was doing this long before I was ever preaching. This is what healed me. It brought the damage in my soul to a place of healing and wholeness. Amen. So, you have three scriptures. John 1, John four, eighteen. There is no fear in love. Perfect love drives out fear. Dad, you love me so much. Look. I don't understand why you love me so much, but I am convinced you love me so much. I am so convinced I have nothing to be afraid of. You saved me when I was a sinner. So when I fall on my face as your son, you're not going to kick me out the back door. If you were willing to save me when I was a sinner, how much more you love me as a son. Your perfect love has no strings attached. And because of your perfect love, how can I be afraid? I am not afraid. I will not be afraid. Devil, you're a hoax. You're a liar. You're nothing. My God is everything, and I am covered in his love. His love surrounds me. His love keeps me, and his love protects me. I am not afraid. You see, when emotionally you sign on, it imprints deeper. Far more powerful than just memorizing, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me lie down by green pastures. Memorize scripture, but meditate scripture. That's when it becomes personal ownership. And I'm telling you, the Word of God will always draw the Spirit of God. Listen, the Holy Spirit cannot be where the Word of God isn't. If the Word of God is there, the Holy Spirit will automatically be there. In the beginning, God said the Holy Spirit was there. When the Word of God is in your mouth, the Holy Spirit will be there. And he'll start bringing the healing and the confidence and the deliverance. So let's practice these three scriptures. Everyone, just in any order you want, just quickly try it. I want to get this into your your habit. I want to get it into your knowing. Come on, here we go. I thank you, God, that there is no fear in love and there's no greater love than your love. Your love is perfect. And therefore, I will not be afraid. (laughs) Afraid? You didn't give me a spirit of fear in the first place. That devil gave it to me when I was a kid. And I thank you, God, that you didn't give me a spirit of fear. You gave me the Holy Ghost. And he comes with dunamis. He comes with power. He comes with deliverance. I thank you, God, I have a sound mind. I have a more sound mind than I've ever had in my whole life. And I have supernatural power backing me. Fear? I am not afraid. In Jesus' name, go back to hell because this is not your territory. Amen. Amen. You see, whatever our wound is, there are scriptures to speak to that wound. Search them out. Search them out. If you need to see one of the pastors, they'll sit down with you and find scriptures so that you could pray like this. But if we give you scriptures, and then you don't do this, it doesn't do anything. I got 15 Bibles at home. It's the Bible that comes out of my mouth that has power. All right, take a seat. Let me just finish up here. Are you enjoying this? Why is this principle so important, this principle of meditation? To really take this another level, deeper. To understand why the principle of meditation is so important, we need to understand strongholds. I'm going to share something with you in this next quick portion that's really amazing. You want to get this. So I'm going to cram it in. To understand why the principle of meditation is so important, we need to understand strongholds. The Bible talks about strongholds. So let me give you a secular picture, something our natural minds can relate to. In World War II, it was a mess. Nation literally against nation. Demons were filling the minds of evil-filled, crazed men. The slaughter of innocent lives and not innocent lives was atrocious. The deadliest, the most gruesome, the bloodiest, the most costly in terms of lives and resources, the most costly battle was the Battle of Stalingrad. You see, Hitler had come up with this notion that they were of the Aryan race and they as a people were superior to everyone else. And they were outgrowing Germany. They needed more resources. And so he looked across the map and saw the Soviet Union, made up of all of these uh, nations banded together by an ideology, the largest expanse of territory anywhere on the earth, and a phenomenal amount of resources, from agriculture to mining, Uh, iron and aluminum and all of these things together with oil. And so Hitler's goal was to conquer the Soviet Union and make a great expanse for the Aryan race. So Stalingrad was one of his major goals because he realized that whoever controlled Stalingrad controlled the oil fields of Russia. Russia. And so he never expected England to go to war against them. He never expected America to finally come on board. So it diverted some of his attentions and strategy. As the war was waging on, he became more and more desperate to get hold of the resources in the Soviet Union. And so he started to advance his troops into Russia, and he started pulling troops from other fronts, weakening those areas, where uh, he had territory because he knew Stalingrad was the place that if he took hold of it, he had access to all the oil, and then he could start to strengthen himself from there and spread out again. And so uh, the Battle of Stalingrad took place from uh, August the 23rd, 1942, to February the 2nd, 1943. And the, the Germans fought the Russians. Uh, it was a deadly, costly battle. They say there were over 2 million casualties in that battle alone. They say that it was the bloodiest battle and the most costly battle ever fought in human history. So here's the Germans. They're struggling as they're trying to take the city. The Russians are holding on for dear life. And Hitler starts bringing troops from other fronts, weakening those areas. But Stalingrad was an important place to take. They took it. They only took it for a short time. And uh, when he took it, he said, now let's fortify Stalingrad. So he kept bringing in troops so that they would not lose this area of control because this area gave them access in power to the rest of Russia. The Soviets didn't give up. They continued to fight, and they went on fighting for five months, one week, and three days until finally the Russian soldiers exhausted the Germans, and they won the city of Stalingrad back. You see, a stronghold is a place where the enemy looks to invade an area of weakness or weak point in our lives. And once he conquers it, he will make it a stronghold to prevent us from taking it back. Everybody understand? Okay. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 to 5. This is what the word of God says. Though we live in the world, we don't wage war as the world does. You cannot live in this world and be a Christian and be exempt from war. The devil sees the blood of Jesus on you, and he wants to take you down. Paul says, we don't wage war the way the world does. The weapons we fight with, there are weapons. He said the weapons we fight with are not like the weapons of the world. These weapons have spiritual divine power and they will demolish strongholds. So if there have been fractures in your soul, hurts, wounds, rejections, things from your childhood that you've struggled with for the last 30 years, Paul is saying we have spiritual weapons to pull down those strongholds in our soul. How many of you want to take back territory somewhere in your soul? Absolutely. He says on the contrary, these weapons have divine power to demolish strongholds. And then he says in verse 5, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Now, I could pull out five words and show you what the Greek says and break this down. For time's sake, I'm going to give you in a nutshell what verse 5 says. What is spiritual warfare? Spiritual warfare in a nutshell is this. It is the act of taking, bullet point number one, every judgment we have ever made about God and every judgment we've ever made about a person who has wounded us. It is taking every belief system and every ideology we have ever put our faith in and stamped it as something we adhere to, and it is taking every conclusion that we have come to in life to our cultural upbringing or the hurts that we have sustained in life, and exchanging all of those and lining them up with what the Word of God has to say on that subject. You see, that's spiritual warfare. So you cannot be successful at war unless you know the word of God. And unless you know how to use the word of God. When we get wounded, we come to conclusions about God that don't line up with who he is. We come to conclusions about God that don't line up with the picture that we see of him in scriptures. And I shared with you in the previous series how we need to restore the image of God and repent of those lies that we have concluded in the middle of our hurt and repent of it and start to see God as the word of God says he is. The people who hurt us, we make judgments against them. I shared in that last series that the judgment you make is the sentence you wear. Spiritual principle. And so we need to make, take those judgments about God and the judgments we made about people who have really devastated us. And we need to do with it what the word of God says. And that is we have to realize they're as broken as we are and as messed up as we are. And we probably hurt people the way they've hurt us. And I need to forgive them the same way God who's not done anything wrong forgives me. So the one who is perfect has forgiven me of everything and me who is not perfect can't forgive someone who messes up like I mess up. Yeah, they hurt me, but I'm sure I've hurt people too and without intention and maybe in some real angry Italian moment, maybe with intention. And so I have to line up every judgment, every attitude, every belief system you can't trust black people. That's a lie from the pit of hell. You can't trust white people. That is a lie from the pit of hell. There are some people who would be wise not to trust because they have proven the fruit of who they are. But never generalize because that is a sin before God. Amen? Absolutely. And so every belief system, every ideology, the things that were cultural to the household of Mary and Alfonso Scarallo with their three little boys, that culture, anything I learned that doesn't line up with what God says, I have to change what my mom said and exchange it for what God says. Hello? Anyone who loves their mother or father more than me isn't worthy of me, Jesus said. My mom's a great lady, but she has a few skeletons. My dad's a great guy. They're both with Jesus now. I love them and respect them tremendously. I often think of them and get a bit teary-eyed. Um, but then they weren't perfect. God is perfect. And I've got to take my value system from my heavenly Father. Are you hearing me? Every conclusion we've come to in life, I need to exchange them with the word of God. The enemy looks to invade a weak point in our lives and he will make it a stronghold to prevent us from taking it back. So how do you demolish strongholds? With the word of God. Rejection was a major issue in my life. And I had to take scriptures that spoke about how much God loved me. And I had to take that scripture and use it like a sword. Paul says the word of God is a double-edged sword. And I would take that word and I would engrave my name on that sword and I would speak what that verse says and I'd put my name in there and say no, 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 no. Rejection? No! No! I'm not going to believe the lies. These people love me, and most people love me. There may be one or two who don't, but you are the father of lies. You are a liar from the beginning. You are a murderer, and you want to destroy me emotionally by sucking me into the big lie that people don't accept me. You're a liar. Go back to hell where you belong. I am the beloved of my father in heaven. And if no one accepted me, he accepts me. And me and God are a majority. Now I really believe that. I've gotten healed to such a point where if there are people here who don't like me or somewhere online that don't like me, They're the minority. (laughs) Because the word of God has healed me. And so I take the word and I use it as a weapon to fight a stronghold. A stronghold is where the enemy lives, church. A demon can wreck you and in the place where he wrecked you, live in that little dirty, gritty, broken part of your soul and pull strings and press buttons and get you to do knee-jerk reactions, things that are illogical and get you acting crazy, doing things you don't want to do. He's not your master, and he's going down because Jesus already faced him, and Jesus already defeated him. And since Jesus is the word of God who became flesh, I'm gonna take the word of God and put it in my flesh and I'm gonna let it come out of my mouth and I'm doing battle with that stronghold. I am taking my life back in Jesus' name. Yeah. Very important, very important. So I gotta move quickly here and I'll just round this out. Uh, in Luke 11:24, 24, Jesus was casting out demons and the religious people who uh, they had a few problems. They started accusing Jesus. They said, he's casting out demons because he's Beelzebub himself. And quite a bit of banter went on amongst them. And in Luke 11:24, 24, Jesus makes a statement. He tells them, you know, well... He makes a number of statements. He says, If I cast out demons by the finger of God, the kingdom of God has come upon you. He turns to the crowd and he's talking to the crowds and he says this When an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places seeking rest and doesn't find it. Then he says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house swept clean and put in order. Then it goes and takes seven other spirits more wicked than itself and they go in and live there. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first. And Jesus doesn't elaborate any further. And I remember looking at this years ago and thinking, God... (laughs) Is it better if people don't get delivered? What's the story here? And so quickly the Holy Spirit said to me, look at it. The house is now swept clean and put back in order, but it's empty. When the enemy gets cast out of a stronghold in your emotions, it's swept clean and it's back in order but you've got to fill it with the word of God. You see, David says in Psalm 119, verse 11, he says, I have hidden your word in my heart. I've hidden your word in my soul. And this is what I mean about going back to the Hebrew, going back to the Greek. Okay, I hid it. Here it is. I'm hiding it in here. No, no. In the Hebrew, this word hidden is the word tasfan, and it means to hoard, to reserve, and to treasure up. David is saying, I took your word and I hoarded it into my soul. When you cast a stronghold out of an area where he has had victory in you, Now the house is swept clean. It's in order. But don't leave it empty. Hoard up the word of God. Take scriptures that speak to the place that once was a weakness in your life, that that enemy came in and he was controlling you and manipulating you for so long. Build it up with the word of God that is appropriate to the breach that was there in your soul and tell that devil, Na 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 na. You can't come back because the one that is in me is greater than the one that is in the world. Praise God. Praise God. Are you with me? All right. I, I I think I. Did something wrong on my notes. I had scriptures for inferiority, but they're not on your notes, are they? I have the scriptures for fear twice. I wore this t shirt purposely. It says, God hasn't given enough. It says, I can do all things through Jesus Christ who strengthens me. The other scripture, I think, is Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. God will do all that I ask or think according to his power that is at work within me. And so for my inferiority, this, this became one of my key scriptures. You see the lion on there? I love it. I roar when I say this. I can do all things through Jesus Christ who lives in me. I am born again, not in the manner of the first Adam, I am born again into the last Adam. The same way I used to look and act like the first Adam and I was bound by sin, I am redeemed, I am set free, I am not a descendant of the first Adam, I am born again by the blood of Jesus And the last Adam is who has modeled me and given me his DNA. I can do all things through Jesus Christ who lives in me and lives through me. Ephesians 3.20 For God can do exceedingly abundantly above anything I ask or imagine according to his power that is at work in me. Rob Scarallo, God can do anything, but he does it through the power that he has put in you. Therefore, the power to overcome, the power to succeed is in me. Today, I'm ready. And with me. You notice somehow I deleted the wrong scriptures on my notes, but it didn't matter because the scripture's in me. This is my testimony. How did I get delivered? How did I get healed? How did I change? I was such a scaredy cat. My mother didn't want to stay home alone with me at night because I would get her afraid. And that spirit of fear that was around me would fill the house and she would be afraid. She didn't like staying home alone with me. That's how much fear was in me. Inferiority, rejection, I am a different person. I am a different person because God sent his word and it stitched me up. Hallelujah. Yeah, I've had other disappointments in life. I've had rejections. Try being a pastor. (laughs) I get wounded and You know, I give myself. As a shepherd, I give myself. We don't live in a society that tends to give itself. I've had plenty of wounds. And every time I get another kick, another sucker punch, another karate kick to my guts, I take the word of God. I say, no, devil, you're not coming back in. Nope. The Christ that is in me is greater than the elite of the elite of your kingdom. No, the word of God is my defense. No, 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 no. You don't own me and you don't control me, and you will not dictate my life. I am a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, and Jesus is the governor of this kingdom. I have citizenship, and I have rights. Devil, you are a trespasser. You're not messing with my brain. You're not messing with my emotions. I'm not listening to you. Shut up. I am not going to come into agreement by feeling sorry for myself. I used to do that. I ain't doing that anymore. I am not going to play the pity game. I don't need attention through sorrowful songs that I'm going to sing. No! No! I don't need that kind of attention anymore. I have the attention of God in heaven. Not because I'm a broken little kid. I have his attention because I am his son. You've gotta get the word in you. It's not just memorization. I think sometimes we've done the wrong thing by emphasizing in Sunday school, memorize, memorize, memorize. It's okay if we memorize the way the Bible teaches meditation because then it's not just there with mental assent. When you meditate on the Word, it's there with emotional agreement, and the soul is healed. Amen. Church, I urge you, please, please, everyone look at me. Come on, look at me for a moment may not be the most handsome thing you look at, but that's okay. I am beautiful in his eyes. Look at me for a moment. Please, learn how to do this. I'm telling you, it will make you a success in every arena of life. Little by little, take back the strongholds that the enemy has invaded in your life. Smash them down with the word of God. Your confidence will grow. Your faith will grow. The spirit of God around you will increase. And suddenly, things like that verse that says that God can do above all that you imagine through his power that is at work in you, suddenly that power will start to work in you and through you. I can't urge you enough. I think as far as practical use, This is one of the most important principles. Meditate. The biblical way. Meditate. Put the word of God in your mouth and you will come out of the gate roaring. You will come out of the gate ready to face the day depression listen i'm not being disrespectful if you struggle with depression please hear my heart i want the anointing of the lord is upon me to preach good news and this anointing is to help you bind up the broken heart in you depression will have to go it will not define you anymore Depression, negativity, poor self-image, the want to. X yourself out of life. Those things will go as you get the word of God in your soul. And I want to tell you the same way it made Joshua a phenomenal leader. And he brought three million grumbling people with a slave mentality into the promised land. The same way David was only a shepherd boy. But he became bigger than a giant. Because the word of God was in him. Learn how to meditate on the Word of God because where the Word of God is, the Spirit of the Lord is. Amen. Amen. Every eye closed. Can I have my pastor start coming out the front? We're going to open the altar for prayer. Lynn, come on out as well. Paul, come on out as well. Amber, come on out. If uh, Danielle's here, come on out. Come on, Donna. Come with your husband. Amen. If you have never asked Jesus Christ in your heart, this only works if you let Jesus have your life. You literally have to give him your life and say, Jesus, okay, I know about you, but that's not enough. I want you to come and live inside me. He's not automatically there. He's a gentleman. You must invite him. If you have never actually said, Jesus, forgive me of all my sins and come, please live in me. Do that now. Raise your hand if that's you. Come on. If that's you, come on. Come on. Don't be afraid. (laughs) God hasn't given me a spirit of fear. (laughs) Hasn't given you a spirit of fear. If that's you, if you've never asked Christ in your heart, if you need to make a recommitment, raise your hand right now online if that's you please at the end of this video i talk to you online and i tell you how you can connect with us please stay tuned and contact our office we want to minister to you and bless you and champion you and hooray with you that you've accepted christ into your heart now as we close i want you to have an awesome week will the devil try to throw stuff at you of course he will greater is the one who's in you. Take the word of God and put it in your mouth. If you need ministry, I've got able people here. They're waiting to pray with you, to come into agreement with you. Izzy's going to continue ministering on the music. I want you to come and get ministry. Those of you that need to leave, of course, have a phenomenal week. One last thing. Next week, I'm going to preach a sermon that I forgot to preach in the very first series, Restoring the Image of God. We were at the worship's gathering. Lydia and Joe hosted a night, and it, she gave a card to everyone with someone's name on it, and yet if you got that name, you had to think of three things positive to say about that person that you appreciate. I didn't realize she also put a scripture on the card. I didn't see it. I was in a hurry, got my name, and I literally ran out the door that morning. And uh, so I could start thinking about that person. When we were at the dinner and all the worship leaders are there and they're having this phenomenal dinner, great fellowship. They all sit down and everyone's sharing three things. And okay. And then they're sharing a scripture. And I noticed they all had a scripture. And I'm thinking, oh, here I am. I preach about submission, I'm in her house, she's the host, and I didn't get my scripture, I was too much in a rush, God, what am I going to share, and he said, share with them the sermon you didn't preach, take the text that you did not preach and share it, I'm not going to tell you what it is, because I'm going to preach it next Sunday, but listen to this, I won't tell you what book it is. It was verse 15 and 18. I'll just tell you the verse, 15 and 18. So I opened my Bible, and I thought, now I'll read 16 and 18. The key verse is 18. And I started, I said, now I'm going to read verse 15 as well. I read verse 15, 16, 17, 18, and expounded on it. And I apologized that I wasn't submissive in that. By negligence, I didn't see she had given me a scripture. I believe you can't be in authority unless you know how to be under authority. We submit one to another. And when I go to her house, I'm in submission. I don't pull my pastor card. Okay? Yeah. Some people believe in chain of command only when they're at the top of the chain. <laughs> the test chain of command is when you're at the top of the chain can you submit to those under you so you know I apologized and I shared my scripture went home was late that night next morning the spirit of God said pull out the card and look at the scripture I have it here in my briefcase I rang Joe and Lydia immediately the next morning I'm not going to let you see the whole thing it is. Chapter 3, verse 15 to 18. I never saw it. I'm going to preach this next week. Because it will bring these two series together. And complete. And summarize the whole picture of restoring the image of God. And being healed of a double-minded soul. But that's how supernatural God is. Pretty cool, isn't it? Amen. Give him the glory. If you need prayer, come on out. Just casually step out of your seats and otherwise, God bless you.